Welcome back to the Fangirl Forum. I'm your host, Meredith Loftus, a.k.a. your friendly neighborhood fangirl. Welcome to my first official episode. Woo! Air horns, applause, explosions, fireworks, amazingness. I don't have those sound effects. I just have a jingle. But that will suffice for now. For this first official episode, I'm going to give you my full spoiler review of Solo a Star Wars Story. It just seemed appropriate to start with this because it's my first solo venture at this. <laughs> I don't have a laugh track, but that's okay. So, yes, let's punch it, Chewie. Fly right into this. Okay, so, my expectations going into this movie were dirt low. Remember, when this movie was announced, there was just a collective, what? Okay, because Han Solo is one of the most iconic characters out there. Why did we need a, a whole movie about him? It would just take away from the lore that we've come to know about Han Solo. Plus, it would be putting in a younger actor in there that isn't Harrison Ford, and he was quite young when he did Star Wars, so to have somebody else playing him just seemed like sacrilege. Then, they hire Chris Miller and Phil Lord, directors of the Lego movie, to do Solo. And obviously the intentions were, oh, this dynamic duo, they will bring something new and fresh in the same vein that the Russo brothers brought to... Uh, Captain America and the MCU, what could go wrong? Well, apparently, egos don't like to play with other egos. So Lawrence Kasdan wrote the script for Solo, and he, he created Han Solo. He knows the most about Han Solo. And this is going to be his last script. It was a big deal to write this up and get this right. The intention was, okay, here's the script. You're going to direct it, and... Have a little fun here and there, but just get it done, you know? Lord and Miller were like, no, we're going to do our own thing. And so there was a lot of improv going on on set. So because of that, we got back to Lawrence Kasdan, and he was pretty ticked off. And Lord and Miller were pretty ticked off that this old man was telling them what to do. So Kathleen Kennedy, president of Lucasfilm, had to step in and just say, you're out, guys. Sorry. We gotta do what we gotta do. We gotta make this thing happen. The Star Wars fandom went into a tizzy. Y'all didn't, we didn't know what to do. And then within like 24 hours, Ron Howard is announced that he is taking over for Solo. And everyone kind of calmed down collectively because he's a friend of Lucasfilm. He's that warm, fun, dad-like presence who's gonna come in and say, hey, it's okay. We're gonna get this done and we're gonna move forward. And they did. They finished shooting, they kept their May release date, and then the first trailer dropped at Super Bowl. Did anyone remember that? Collectively, it was kind of mixed. People were super excited, but some people were like, not sold yet. And I was in that boat because here was Han Solo, Alden Ehrenreich, now playing him, and the words were there. They were so Han Solo. But it didn't have that charisma, that extra oomph that just, like, made it Han. And so I was pretty worried about this movie. Months go by leading up to this movie, 
And again, there's still mixed reviews from the first people who saw it. So my goal going into the movie was, is this a good movie? And halfway through, do I forget that Alden Ehrenreich is Alden Ehrenreich and it's just Han Solo before me? And I gotta say, it delivered. Solo is a hit. It is a great movie considering all the crap that happened in production to get this to this point now. This is a miracle. We should be running through the streets how they were able to pull this off. Is it the best movie? No. Is it my favorite movie of the new regime of Lucasfilm movies coming out? No. But do I like it? Oh, you better believe I do. This movie does a lot of things right, equally with some things that were like, meh, okay. But it was still a fun, enjoyable movie that you were just along for the ride. And now that it exists, I'm actually happy that I know some of the things about Han Solo that I didn't know before. So we're gonna get into it. And if it wasn't obvious enough, spoiler alert. So a Star Wars story directed by Ron Howard is a story about young Han Solo that finds adventure when he joins a gang of galactic smugglers, including a 196 year old Wookiee named Chewbacca. Indebted to a gangster Dryden boss, the crew devises a daring plan to travel to the mining planet of Kessel to steal a batch of coaxium. In need of a fast ship, Solo meets Lando Calrissian, the suave owner of the perfect vessel for such a dangerous mission, aka everyone's favorite ship in the Star Wars universe, the Millennium Falcon. Based on that film synopsis that I found on Google, it delivered. This is the kind of movie that has me so thankful that Disney bought Lucasfilm because this is the quality level of prequel movie that we deserved but never got under George Lucas. And that is my personal opinion. It, it blows my mind that this movie even exists because there were things that I didn't expect to get answered that I'm okay with. And it does a great job of connecting lore between different platforms of Star Wars that it's gonna have people wondering and going in to do the research, to read the books, see the old TV shows, and dive in more into the lore as we wait for episode nine. It succeeded on all fronts in that, and that is worth celebrating, and that is worth talking about. So what did this movie do right? Well, for starters, Alden Ehrenreich knocked it out of the park for me as Han Solo. There, I said it. He is a genius. Because it's so clear how much he cared about this role in his mannerisms, his speech pattern, and his body language. He exuded Han Solo. I didn't sit there and was thinking through the entire movie, here's this kid doing a Harrison Ford impression. No. Halfway through the movie, he was Han Solo. Specifically in the scene where he is in the cave closet with Kira on the Millennium Falcon. He just leans up against the doorway and it just like hit me like a ton of bricks. That is Han Solo. That is the rogue that I found myself smitten with when I saw Star Wars for the first time. You're just like overwhelmed with it. He got it. Kudos to the casting directors, Lorda Miller, 
Kathleen Kennedy, the people who hired Alden Ehrenreich, seeing his potential because he knocked it out of the park. Fantastic job. And while we're on the subject, fantastic job for hiring Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian and Woody Harrelson to play Beckett. Genius casting. They knocked it out of the park. Like, yes, Donald Glover just looks like this cool, suave Lando. That was expected. But to see him perform, he brought his A-game to this when he could have easily just, like, gone in cruise control mode. He killed it. Kudos. And then, bringing it back to Woody Harrelson, oh my gosh, I thought he was going to be a one-note character. His character was everything Han needed to become the Han Solo that we know and love when we meet him in A New Hope. He crushes it because he toes the line and has you constantly guessing who does he actually side with. And ultimately, he sides with himself and he's going to pick the cause that is going to keep him alive. And that's what Han learns. He learns from him. Like, even after Beckett loses Val, he knows that even though he cared about her, it was still about, number one, keep moving forward and staying alive. And he taught Han a valuable lesson. And yes, Han shot first. He always shoots first. Thank you for getting that right. What else does the movie do right? Um, Kira. Amelia Clark is great in this movie. Fantastic job. She is our first female anti-hero of the movie universe. What I mean by that is, overall, with Star Wars characters, as far as the classic, the trilogies are concerned, and the entire saga, most of our female characters are either good or evil. There is no in-between. They do not play a line. Kira does. She is also looking out for herself. She's a survivor. She's going to do what it takes to survive while trying to keep other people alive. But she is ultimately looking out for herself. And because of that, she breaks Han's heart in the end. He is her weakness. And she has to cut herself off from that in order to stay alive and keep accumulating power. And I want to see what she does next. Now that she is working with Crimson Dawn, a.k.a. Darth Maul, oh my gosh, what a reveal. Which is um, leads into my next point. Bringing in Darth Maul had the OMG moment for all the fans who didn't know that he was still alive in the extended universe. Kid you not, my sister calls me up and was like, you need to tell me what happened with all of the villains in the prequels because there is no way he is still alive. Because of that, she wants to go back. She wants to watch Rebels and find out why is Maul still alive? What, where, where are we with this timeline? This makes no sense to me. But she wants to find out and that was genius on Lucasfilm's part to tie that in because now people who aren't fans, like super fans of the series, they're going to go back and go watch Clone Wars and watch Rebels and find out more about the lore of Star Wars that Lucasfilm has been building since they've been acquired 
by Disney. And one last thing that I enjoyed about Solo and what they were doing right is the planets and seeing where Han came from. I really loved Cordelia, I loved Kessel. Yes, all of that was fascinating to me to see more of the Star Wars universe and more of these planets that we've heard about but not actually seen. We get to visualize them. I felt like they did a great enough job that I felt like I was in the trenches wherever we were going. So kudos for more world building that didn't feel forced or thrown out there. It just worked with the story that was being told. Oh, and I can't forget about Enfy's Nest. Oh my goodness, what a great reveal that um, instead of this like crazy warlord pirate man, it was this teenage girl who was ravaging all these people in order to survive and build up the rebellion against the empire. How powerful and moving of a message is that? That it doesn't matter where you come from, anything to stand up for what's right is going to make an impact and it doesn't go wasted. Even when it seems hard and your back is against the wall and people are about to betray you. In a story of anti-heroes and playing the line, the good can conquer in the face of evil, even when someone's being betrayed. And that's how Solo keeps winning. Solo has so much that you keep thinking about. I remember when I saw Rogue One, I got out of that movie and thought this was the greatest thing ever because I was living off the high of that third act of the Battle of Scarif and the Darth Vader uh, scene in the hallway uh, chopping down rebel scum left and right. Who else wasn't jacked about seeing that? It was amazing. But then you, a couple days later, it kind of died away because you were so high on the excitement that there wasn't anything else to hold on to because all the characters we were introduced to died. Their stories were done. They served a purpose, a really good purpose, and made for a great story. But I had a hard time just thinking about it more and more. Whereas Solo, I liked it when I saw it, but each day I'm finding a new thing to think about the movie. And that's where it keeps winning. And that's where it's moving up in my appreciation and enjoyment of the movie. But of course, like I said, I like this movie. I don't love this movie. And the reason I don't love this movie is a lot of things felt really predictable. Like, obviously, we knew like there was little stakes because Han, Chewie, and Lando were going to make it out of life because Han Solo was killed by his own son, Ben Solo, a.k.a. Kylo Ren in The Force Awakens. Chewbacca is hanging out with Porgs on the Millennium Falcon by the end of The, Va the Last Jedi. And Lando Calrissian blew up the second Death Star in Return of the Jedi. Spoilers, sorry. So there was little stakes in that. And then because of Rogue One, I knew characters we were going to get introduced to were going to die. Dryden Voss. He was a goner. Val, yes. Like, there was just so characters I knew were going to die. And I was assuming Kira was going to die. And that's why that was a nice twist that I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting much from Enki's Nest. 
but I'm so happy that I was wrong about that. But there were some things that were really predictable, like, okay, we're going to do the Kessel Run. And it wasn't what I was expecting, and it wasn't as exciting as I thought it was going to be, making the Kessel, doing the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. Like, that just, it wasn't as compelling as I wanted it to be. And the big action set pieces didn't win it for me. The smaller moments did. Also, I'm just going to say it, K2 is cooler than L3. L3's introduction was cool. I wasn't in love with the droid. It had attitude, it had sass, but it wasn't doing it for me in the same way that K2 did in Rogue One. So when L3 died, I didn't feel as bad um, seeing the droid go. I saw that like Lando cared about the droid, but I didn't care enough about L3 for that moment to hit for me. But I do think it's really cool that L3 is part of the Millennium Falcon as the navigation system. That is a nice way to like carry on. That's great. But otherwise, not the biggest fan. Other than that, I was, like I said, the way that Solo wins for me is in the smaller, more humane moments. The little mannerisms that Alden makes as Han wins it as Han Solo. His interactions with Chewie, like, how can I not talk about the fact that they met in a jail cell and Chewie was eating people? And Han spoke in Wookiee to him and they bonded and they were able to get out and Chewie chose to stay with Han. That was those moments. Those are the ones that stick. Those are the ones that make me buy this friendship that lasts into different trilogies. Like in The Last Jedi, Chewie's still feeling the loss of losing Han because that was his best friend. And now that I've seen Solo and see their beginnings, it makes it hurt even more when Han dies in The Force Awakens. And did anyone else get really teared up seeing that those die going back and forth between Han and Kira and knowing where they end up in The Last Jedi? It's heartbreaking and it's connecting dots and it is bringing this whole Star Wars universe together in the small, minute details and even in the big stuff that makes outside people want more and fans of this stuff rooting for it to keep making those connections and those fan service decisions because that's the way you do fan service it didn't feel forced it didn't feel contrived it was just right so overall i really enjoy solo i still don't put it as my high-ranking uh, Star Wars movie and like the top five that I've seen. It's okay. It doesn't have to be a perfect movie. It's got to be an enjoyable one. And for the most part of the people that I've interacted with, they all really love it too. And that's reassuring. And that's what gives me hope moving forward in Lucasfilm. I'm not the biggest fan that they're going to make a Boba Fett movie, but I'm really excited that James Mangold is involved in it. I'm going to watch whatever he directs at this point because Logan was a masterpiece. That's another episode. We can get into that. I still want an Obi-Wan movie. 
I really love Obi-Wan. He is my favorite character in the Star Wars universe. I want to know what, he, what has been going on with him. I trust the people at Lucasfilm to make the story because I've seen what they've done with established characters and giving them new depth and lore that I'm on board with. Before I sign off, um, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about this past week in fandom. Some of you know, maybe most of you don't know, um, at the beginning of the week, uh, Kelly Marie Tran, uh, who plays Rose Tycho in The Last Jedi, uh, deleted all of her Instagram posts on Instagram due to harassment from trolls and haters online. I've been a part of fandom for a long time in various fandoms with active people online where you see the good, the bad, and the ugly. This was an example of the lowest of low you can do to an actor or actress in a fandom that you love. And I've personally met Kelly Marie Tran. She is a wall of sunshine, joy, and energy. Everything that she posted on Instagram and in her interviews, she is that way in real life. She's fantastic. And to know that there was a group of people out there to just dig into her self-esteem, self-worth in any way, shape, or form in the form of hate is heartbreaking and frustrating and sad. I feel so bad for the people who did that because they just don't understand how that hurts and breaks a person. Or maybe they do and they're because they're dealing with it themselves and they're inflicting it on other people. And that's not okay. If you are not a fan of The Last Jedi and the things that Lucasfilm is doing, you have a right to your opinion. You don't have to go out of your way to tear into another person's, I'm sorry, that's not okay. You can have your opinions, but attacking the person who plays a character that you may not like and just consistently harassing them, that's not okay. I'm sorry, like I, I can't sit by and say like, oh, grow tougher skin. Like you knew what you signed up for. It's true, people like people. And on that note, I've also seen that there is some fandom war happening in Star Wars through various people, big, bigger name people than myself. I'm just a lowly uh, neighborhood fan girl, and I, don't, I only know of these people. I follow them. I appreciate different perspectives on Star Wars. Uh, everyone has various knowledge and opinions and perspective, and I think it's important to hear all sides of it and then from there create your own opinion. I don't think it's okay attacking people left and right. I don't think it's okay if you claim to have the superior knowledge over another fan and therefore your opinion value is deemed worthy of more respect and it is considered golden. It's not. We all have our own opinions. 
there is no hierarchy in fandom and to create such hierarchy and to endorse it is just perpetuating a problem. We are no better than other fandoms. Star Wars, you are no better and you've shown your ugly side this week in the midst of what should have been an awesome week because Star Wars Celebration tickets went out. And guess what, guys? I'm going, and I'm so excited. It's going to be five days of pure, undulterated Star Wars mania. No sleep, hopefully lots of friends, and fun. All the fun I can imagine. And for the people who've been, they can tell you how life-changing it is. It, with any con you go to. I've been to Comic-Con a couple times. I've been to a Once Upon a Time convention twice now. There is nothing like being around people who love the same thing you do. And you instantly have a bond and you get to create these brand new experiences while sharing in the fact that you're everyone's excited about the same thing. Everyone's loving the same thing and getting able to talk and express their thoughts and opinions. It's life-changing. And I can't wait for it with Star Wars. I have hope. For Star Wars, this isn't the end. This was a bad week. This was a really bad week. And now we're in a prolonged hiatus. There's nothing in the pipeline for us to wait for until episode 9. They haven't even started filming yet. We have nothing except to rewatch Solo, watch Last Jedi on Netflix, rewatch movies, find the episodes of Clone Wars and Rebels to bide our time. Heck, Read some books, because there are plenty of good ones out there. But this is a wake-up call. Star Wars, where are you going to stand in this? Are you going to give in to the dark side? Or are you going to seek to pursue the light? Sorry, I had to rant about this, because this is something near and dear to me. I've seen it build up and tear apart fandoms before my eyes on Twitter. And as big as of a fandom Star Wars is, and now social media it breaks my heart that we have to have this conversation. That just about wraps up my episode on Solo and Star Wars as of now. I'm not done talking about Star Wars. I'll never be done talking about Star Wars. Thanks for tuning into my first episode. Um, tweet at me. I, I don't have a special uh, Twitter for this podcast, so you can tweet at my personal account, at Meredith Loftus. Um, if we're Facebook friends because you know me really well, please send me a message, comment, let me know what you think, and I'll see you guys around next time. Have a fantastic day. I need a better log off sign. I'll figure one out. Okay, bye.